This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is Jeff Gobb here at PWG for Tremendous, I don't even know the name of the show, but you're listening to Busted Wide Open. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, our Patreon Mailbag Series, episode number 35. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangers. And yes, we are here to do the episode where we answer the questions that you send us. It can be on any topic, although obviously we're a wrestling show, so we tend to do wrestling-related questions. But of course, when I also when I refer to you... I refer to those of you who are patrons of this show and are sending us money to do all of these wonderful things and supporting us in these endeavors. And we greatly appreciate all of you who have already signed up for that and are able to ask those questions and all the other things you get for being a patron. And if you're not a patron, there's no reason to head on over to pet. There's no other reason. There's no reason not to. You know what I mean? There's no reason not to head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign up for one of our awesome tiers. And that way you too can ask questions that will be answered on this very show, Nick. Yes. Oh, is it my turn? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those reward tiers. Bonus episodes. <laughs> Skype oh, calls. God. All kinds of good stuff. Oh, you caught me off guard. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you guys all know, if you're listening to this, all know where all of our stuff is. BWOpodcast.com. But in case you are new to Busted Wide Open, welcome, first and foremost. BWOpodcast.com is where all of our links are. Come join us in our Facebook group. We have a very active and lively Discord that goes on all throughout the week where we live chat during all shows uh, for the graps throughout every single week. Plus, we've got a dedicated chat channel for every single pay-per-view, including NXT TakeOver in your house tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to see some really good matches transpire uh, over there. So come join us for the live chat. Uh, and make sure you're subscribed right here at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. And beep, 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 breaking news. What? Whoa, what? We have merch. It's finally out there we haven't publicly announced it yet but those of you watching the live stream shows today are getting the first crack at the all-new merch designed and created by sir ian dangerous so thank Ooh. you sir ian dangerous for all oh, your help and work on all Absolutely. of those graphics no problem uh but i am mostly proud of my little drone that i created uh which i think in the last show we named nick guard one <laughs> nick guard one NickGuard1 will deliver your merch live on stream if you buy it right here on the show. So you can do an exclamation merch to get the link or look down in the description below right here on YouTube. I will be posting that across our social media later tonight uh, across 
everywhere. So if you want to get in on it now, see the fun little drone, deliver it to you right here on the show. You got to do it while we're live. But Ian, we got a lot of questions from yes. our phenomenal ones today. Let's jump right into it. <clears throat> Starting off with Mr. Josh Logan. Hope you all are staying safe and sane. So we've seen a lot of wrestlers get in hot water over social media posts. Do you see a point where companies like WWE say enough and require all employees to have supervised social media accounts? They already kind of do, from what I understand. Um, you Obviously, you can only do certain things. If you're a WWE star, you can only post certain things on your social media. They do keep an eye on it, but they also they have become more relaxed about it in the last few years because they this is an interesting thing that's happened in, in WWE in the last like about five years is that there's a philosophy and I don't know where it came from but I know that one of the places that's coming from is Triple H and NXT where he says don't just plan for your wrestling career plan for things after that and you see people like Xavier Woods with Up, Up, Down, Down. Um, you see things like people starting to go try to work movies. Uh, they're trying to set up careers and personalities for themselves outside of WWE so that when their tenure ends, they already have some set up presence outside of that. Um, and so WWE has actually relaxed a little bit on what they're allowed to do on social media. You don't have to post in kayfabe for one thing. Um, obviously there's a certain point at which they say you can't post this, you can't post that, um, whether it be, you know, offensive things, but you know, we have seen people go out and say things that cause controversy. Jackson Riker got in trouble recently for posting something which on the surface, if you just described it to somebody in very broad terms would be innocuous. He praised the president, but it was the timing and the way that he did it, that people got really fired up about, um, conversely, you know, uh, there's been a big backlash against uh, some wrestlers who are out there saying things on the other end of the spectrum, very liberal things, you know, and a lot of their fans have been blocking them and deleting them. And it's been very controversial. And, you know, without coming down on either side, Nick, that's something that I think the WWE would want to avoid was any kind of controversy. And yet they're allowing it to happen. Yeah. So... Is there a point at which they kind of crack down a little bit? It's going to be when it starts directly affecting, when they can see the line where it's directly affecting their stock or, or affecting the bottom line of the company. Um, obviously, the bigger the star you are, I think the more controlled your Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, et cetera, is. Um, or the more, the, more you, the more you're expected to act in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like yes you, and no. Roman, Roman, Roman plays it pretty safe. I'll put it that way. I come from this world. I, I live in this world. Well, then every speak day. on this. Speak on this. Um, I I work for a very large Fortune 500 employer as my day job. Uh, I am data center dude. That is my sort of brand online. As if you want to align that to some sort of superstars kayfabe name, uh, it, you know, as as an analogy here. And I will say that my company does not censor things and we are required to say things in our bios like tweets and opinions are, are, are our own they do mm -hmm. not represent that of our employer much much like the right like the, like the disclaimer they put before the uh, forgotten sons promos it's not that kind of like oh, oh okay it's it's, it's i'm just saying it's much in the same spirit of that but yes 
Um, so we do that intentionally to pr- to provide safekeeping for our employers in case we do say things that they may not agree with. But at the same time, it also gives us a, a level of freedom to, you know, chart uh, our own course. So I have the Data Center Dude YouTube channel. I have my own Twitter. I have datacenterdude.com. It's my blog. It, it's not owned by by my employer. So there's a level of understanding there. And one of the beauties of being a 1099 contractor, as WWE superstars are, is that you're only beholden to the terms of your contract. That doesn't mean you can't go do other things. You mentioned Xavier Woods doing uh, Up, Up, Down, Down. There's plenty Mm -hmm. of other people out there that have... Paige has a very popular Twitch stream now. Uh, Corbin is doing cooking shows and stuff like that. He's cooking. Dude, he's cooking some mad steaks. Dude. That man is making me hungry. He's doing all kinds of stuff. He got some insane freaking A4 Wagyu the other day. Oh, my God. Son of a bitch is killing me. Sorry. Sorry. Triggered. All kinds of stuff that some of these people are doing out there. And it's really all about diversifying yourself. Some have YouTube channels and Twitch streams. Some people are on Mixer, like AJ Styles. Like Having that diverse sort of portfolio of content, you are effectively an entertainer diversify yourself so that's what this is really i don't think wwe is censoring them one of the things that wwe does do extremely well and what i've tried to preach to our social media team at work is that 90 percent of what the brand account twitter accounts or social media accounts do is promote their superstars why is that important rising tide lifts all ships yes including the company itself so the more popular famous and and bigger platforms you give your superstars that you have that are your top names, the bigger your company and your brand is going to look. WWE is the role model, right, wrong, or indifferent, for almost every social media co- uh, d- department and division of any company out there. They 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 want they are outperforming all major athletics. They are, and they're doing that because they promote their superstars more than themselves. As hard mm-hmm. as hard as that might be to get your head around. It, that, that is what they do, and that's the tactic and how they've grown to be such a social media powerhouse. So I say all of that to say, are they, are, they, are they filtering what their employees are saying? I don't think so. But I will say, I've, deleted, I've written and deleted more tweets before I ever posted them than I have ever actually posted. And I've, I've got something crazy, like 20,000, 40,000 tweets that I've sent in the... Good lord! Twelve years that I've been on there, like I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, used to be more so, but I, I've I've deleted more stuff than I've actually posted. So that is an ingrained filter that I've learned to have that we've seen some superstars not learn to have yet. My point being, hmm. self filter. <laughs> uh, they're self. They need to self filter more. I don't think WWE is doing this thing where they're sort of choking people to the extent that they can't. You know, I'm shocked tweet at what how they want. Yeah, I'm shocked at actually how much they're allowing. Um, yeah. There's a lot of times people Same. tweet stuff. I'm like, wow, WWE let you say that? They're not coming like the social media guys aren't coming down on you for that. Um, I mean, w- the original question was, uh, when are they going to say enough? And my answer to that was when it hits their bottom line. And it hasn't happened yet because they don't have their top stars saying anything controversial. I think right. anyone who is a top star knows to keep it <laughs> under wraps. You know, you got guys like Mustafa Ali who are out here like being very outspoken about truth and justice. But then again, he hasn't been seen on TV in months. And he's 
openly disgruntled about that because he's like, I have a platform and I'm not being allowed to be visible. But he's also not a top star and chicken and egg scenario. Why? What causes that? So, yeah. I yeah, think if my, I my think answer if, is never. That's ne- I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, maybe. Unfortunately, right, wrong, or indifferent, it's it's not their place. They would they would more likely fire them first than start to take some control or filter their social media presence. Mm. There you so. go. Thank you very much, Josh. Good question. Uh, next up, Will James asks: Considering the recent gig two electric boogaloo from Cody, <laughs> <laughs> I knew exactly what he was talking about before he said it. Ah. <sighs> Yes. Uh, how do you think he'll end up being remembered after all is said and done? I think he has an interesting oh, dichotomy between very well and intelligently booked babyface and EVP putting himself over. He has a great mind, <laughs> can work the crowd and tell a story, and can yes. draw sympathy with things like booking himself out of the main title picture. But he also seems to be the only one with his brother to gig for that sympathy, uh, that extra symph- sympathy and pop. Still books himself with the secondary title and into two, into many main events, and has only lost a couple of single matches during his whole time at AEW. I sort of wonder if he gets remembered as the wrestling mind who gave us what we want, or the version of Roman Reigns who actually gave himself the Super Cena push. Thanks for all you do, and I hope you're doing mm. well, all things considered. Thank you, Will. What do you think here, man? It, so if it's the final That's a question tough one. is 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 Cody going to be remembered as the savior? that gave us exactly what we wanted after decades of WWE? Or is he going to be remembered as more of a EVP who gave him... EVP Roman Reigns that gave himself the Super Cena push? I don't think so. I think right now everyone's kind of riled. This is why he hasn't done this yet. Like, he's given himself a bunch of hero moments. And to be clear, he got over as a babyface before he gave himself the hero moments. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he was working heel when he was in New Japan and doing, like, he was working heel. He only became a babyface when in in AEW, the fans were just rabid for him and going for him. And, like, and against Nick Aldis, he was the face. So it really did, it was AEW who was positioning himself as the babyface. And part of that is because of his lineage and he's starting to play off his name more and he's, he's going for it more. And and you can speculate if this was the plan all along, like Cody wants to get some, get himself over. I'm not going to lie. I saw flashes of heelishness this week. And if he turns heel, I don't think anyone's going to complain and, and be like, why is he getting the big baby face push? Why is he super, super Cody? You know, um, we're looking at it now because he just won the title and it's one of the reasons why he didn't ever like he took himself out of the title picture for the AEW Heavyweight Championship, and he's already like he just he just won it, and people are already accused accusing him of of making this title more important than the main title, and I don't see that yet. I don't no, see that yet. Me either. Um, but I can see why people are disgruntled, or or why I I can see the basis. I can see the root. You know what I mean? But I think people are reading too much into it at this point. Do I think the match this week with Jungle Boy was overdone and that he worked too hard to make it like, a, like I'm going to bleed and we're going to do all this crazy shit? Like, yeah, you, you, you're kind of overplaying everything here. But at the same time, I, I'm not immediately jumping to the conclusion that Cody is going full on Super Cena and putting himself over anyone else in the company and everything. Like, 
the fans put him there first. And I, I think AEW so far has shown if something doesn't work, they stop doing it. And at this point, Cody, as a guy who's positioning himself as, I will outwork you, I will out try you. I'm like, I'm the, I'm the hardworking baby face. That's still working. You know what I mean? It's that's still connecting. It's starting to falter a little bit. I think he can bring it back. I don't think that it's, it's beyond repair. Um, we're, we're less than a year into, if I can jump yeah. in. Yeah. We're less than yeah, yeah, a year yeah. into dyn- into dynamite. Let's, let's remember that one, two, I think people either weren't paying attention or don't remember all of the work that Cody and the Bucks did between New Japan, NWA, and the Indies circuit, building hype around themselves before ever publicly announcing AEW. And they did all of that work for a couple of years so that they could go to the Khan family and be like, look, we got this idea. We got a, we got a big idea. And they want to get into wrestling. Tony came to, from what I understand, Tony approached them initially and said, hey, I got a billion dollars. You want to go change the world? So I think people forget. We've been watching Dynamite since October. Nine months now-ish. And and I think people forget all of the work that they put into getting us to the point where we could have Dynamite. Where we could have an all-out show without any backing whatsoever and sell it out on a freaking GoFundMe sort of platform. And on a a bet, sell 10,000 tickets. Yeah. Like, let's, let's make sure we don't forget all of the history that led up to things that have happened since October. They've, he's put in the work. I, he I has all the credit in the world, and this is why he got over as a face. Is that like people were genuine, like they were happy for him. You left WWE and you went and created the biggest competition to them since WCW, which only lasted for a couple of years at, at its peak in the nineties. Yeah, it was around for about a decade, but it, like its peak was about three or four years, mostly because you had Hogan. Well, you had the NWO. Yeah, and you had a few other cool, like cool little things, you you know Goldberg and DDP for a minute there and Sting, like. But you, but again, he's done something incredible, and obviously he didn't do it alone. A lot of other people involved, but he was one of the architects, and the dude genuinely works his damn ass off. You can tell by the bags under his eyes. So why shouldn't he get a goddamn title? And I think you said it best. This was the thing that changed my mind with him winning the TNT championship. Five years from now, it's 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 not going to matter. It, it wouldn't have mattered if Lance Archer's name on it. But five years from now, one of the founding members having their name stamped on that TNT championship is going to hold on to the legacy of yeah. Rhodes. He can be doing whatever else in the company, and his exactly. name's still on that. So he's got a little bit to hang on to, and he can go and be in the mid-card. He can put over guys and not have a belt. Like He's still got that little bit going for him. I feel like he's earned it. It's turnkey like prestige for the longevity of that title. Exactly. And I now, and once I understood that, I got over my anger of Lance Archer not being sure. it. And here's the thing, is that people, I think, are like, he doesn't need it. He kind of does. He does need that legitimacy as someone who is on the level that he's at where he's not necessarily the biggest guy in the company. And year to year, he may not be the biggest guy in the company. He may, But he doesn't now need to put himself over like a Super Cena or a Super Reigns. He can just be there, and he's an important piece. Seth yeah. Rollins is still all over WWE merchandise 
and the trucks and advertising. But is he the top guy in WWE? No. But he's there. Yep. You know him. He's, you, you know he's going to be in, somewhere in a big match somewhere. Cody's earned it, I think. I mean, and it's, I don't think it's nepotism to do that. If he was making himself, if he had been the heavyweight champ and had done it right away and it had been like some big hero moment, then yeah, maybe. Yeah. Some big hero moment. But he didn't. He built it. He went to a secondary belt and said, I'm going to build this. Okay. Go for it. And then now he's doing Show open me. challenges to sure. basically put over all of the up-and-coming talent to yeah. face him for that championship to show you guys what they're capable of. Uh, Cody, again, coming off the NWA championship, uh, coming out of the Bullet Club stuff in New Japan and the Elite, and bringing all of that all of that stuff, that, that weight, into AEW, when Cody has it, it means something. And that that's what I'm behind. It so does. I, I don't, he, he, yeah, no, you, it's you not a, on it's the not head. a Roman Reigns thing that just manifested out of nowhere. Well, that's forced that's really to be manifested. Yeah, just like push down our throats. Exactly. Like Cody got over on his own, and then now he has to kind of keep that momentum going. And 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 like absolutely, it is a tightrope. He's got to be careful that he doesn't overpush it and piss people off and make people feel like he's being, you know, self-serving or nepotistic or whatever. Yeah. But I, I think I'm, I'm willing to give him a long leash. Things don't happen week to week. Yeah. Just because he just won the championship and had a, a somewhat overbooked match does not all of a sudden, all of a sudden mean, oh, Cody, he's done. He's toast. He's, a, he's an asshole. He's just putting himself over. No, no, no. Do it consistently. Do it consistently for six months, and then I'll be pissed off at you. This will matter in three years. It won't matter next week. Agreed. In, in three years when we come back to this and we're looking back on how the TNT championship got started – we're going to look back and go, Cody Rhodes, the, the son of Dustin, Dusty Rhodes, yeah. the American Dream, was the first one. His name will forever be stamped on that title, and it will provide indefinite legacy and prestige yeah. for that. And I feel, I feel like overall he's, he's been really generous with, with the people he works with, like, yep. you know, to the point people even complaining that he's, he's letting his opponents get in too much offense. So, anyway. Yeah. There you go. Good question, Will. Thank you very much very for good. that one. Next up, Very Martin Welch. How you doing across the pond, sir? Mm. Uh, he says g'day, mates, but I'm not even going to try and do a, an accent. Uh, hope, hope you're both, good both staying happy and healthy. You had to book three matches. One tag, one-on-one -on -one male, one-on-one -on -one female. AEW versus WWE. But no one for AEW has ever been in WWE. Ever. Ever. <laughs> not one time. Not one time. Not one time. Ah, uh, I am I so to, sorry to, to all of our matches. Aussie, all of our Aussie listeners. I am so sorry. That may Cody's have really mad at you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to book three matches: one been, tag, one on been, one male, and one on one female. AEW versus WWE, but no one for AEW has ever has, been in. Okay, so no one that's ever been in WWE. Ooh, ooh, ooh. A tag match between tag teams, but the ones in. AEW can never have been in, in WWE. Okay, so right off the bat, um, I'd love to Almost see all of them. Young Bucks versus Usos or Young Bucks versus Red Dragon. Private Party Ooh. versus New Day. Or no, Private Party versus Street Profits. You imagine that? You'd be bouncing oh, all over the place. Would, that would be, That'd be nuts. Baller. That'd be baller. Ooh, yeah. Uh, oh man! One on one on one male, 
Seth Rollins versus Hangman Page. First one that pops into my head. Um, or Kenny Omega versus Seth Rollins. Kenny Omega yeah, versus I, Seth Rollins. Yeah. yeah, I want to see that one. Yeah, Kenny Omega versus Seth Rollins. One-on-one female. Oh, that's a little harder because, again, the, the women's division is a little thin in AEW. I, I want to go to Chris Statlander, but she was actually in WWE for like one She day. was. She was in NXT, yeah. A few of them were. Um, uh, <laughs> Nyla versus Nia. In a somebody might die. Match. Mega powers collide. Yeah, the hands of the handshake. <laughs> the, the handshake. I don't know what's happening here, Mean Gene. <laughs> I saw uh, Yeah, that, that's good. Also, he asked, "What's your favorite ice cream flavor?" The only right answer is Ben and Jerry's peanut butter cup. I'm sorry, that is you're absolutely wrong. incorrect. You are incorrect. Mint, what's mint yours? cookies and cream. Mint cookies and cream. Get the hell I'm, out of here. I'm close to that one. I'm a mint chocolate chip guy. It's the same thing, but with Oreos. What's wrong with you? I don't. I don't dislike mint cookies and cream. But why? Just he asked what my favorite ice cream flavor. I'm a mint. You could have more, but why not just go for mint cookies and cream? Because I don't want the cookie crumbles. I want you don't want Oreos. You just want the little chips. I like Oreos, but I like Oreos. You're settling settling for less. Some of us. Some of us. Maybe. Maybe. Some of us want to put it that way. Fine. Some of us have dreams, Nick. We want to do things. We want to actually like accomplish that. Obviously achieved yours. I have not. I have. I had. I had mint (laughs) cookies and cream, and my dreams were achieved. Yeah. Oreos, in my damn mint ice cream. Yeah. The best. Uh, We need one-on-one female still. Oh, we didn't do that. You said Nyla Nyla. Nyla Nyla. That's. Yeah, I was. That was a goof. Like for real. Legit match. Um, Yes. Sheeta Asuka would be cool. Actually, Sheeta Sheeta Io Shirai. I'll go with that one. Big Swole versus Rhea Ripley. Oh, that'd be a good one too. That'd be a good one too. Or Big Big Swole versus Rhea. Uh, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, said. Rhea Ripley. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you watch that package on, on uh, NXT this week, Rhea's like as if she wasn't jacked enough before. Good God, she's getting ripped. Yep. Holy smokes. Thank you very much, Martin. We appreciate it. Hey, quick super chat. Jess O'Connor is throwing the, the uh, curveball out of left field with the mint moose tracks. Mint moose tracks. Okay. Not mad at it. Not mad at it. Okay. A I, lot of I'll, chewing. Yeah. There's a lot of chewing. A little hard <laughs> on the old jaw. But, uh, yeah, that's up there. Mint, mint anything with chocolate. Yes. I'm down. Mint chocolate anything. I'm yeah. Yes. Sold. Yeah. I'm also pretty southern in my roots of I like good old fashioned Neapolitan. I like just vanilla and yeah. chocolate. I can I can dig on that for almost endlessly. So. Now that being said, mint moose knuckles not so much. Mint, mint moose tracks yes, but not mint moose. I don't know that I've ever heard of. I'm I'm scared knuckles. of moose knuckle because I know what that stands for. That's something That's, else. That was that was the joke. That was. Thank the you joke. very much, Martin, for your <sighs> question. I really appreciate it. We're gonna move on before that one gets out of hand. Uh, Jacob next up asks, "Hello, hope all is well. We have seen big success with cinematic matches like the Stadium Stampede, Boneyard match, and others. So the mm. world is yours." Scarface reference. I love you. Book a cinematic match using any wrestler, faction, or group, past or present. Have fun and stay safe. Ooh. Any wrestler, faction, or group? Uh, cinematic match, post-apocalyptic beatdown, the Road Warriors versus Sanity, 
in a destroy the city match. Um, yeah. It's going to be like Fist of the North Star. We're like people exploding and stuff. Yeah. I'm going with that. Bushwhackers versus heavy machinery in a swamp match. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. That sounds awesome. Cameron Grimes, special, special guest referee. Bingo. There you go. <laughs> oh, Thank God. you very much, Jacob. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Anything goes. Fan I just, boats allowed. All, just gators are in the, in the, in the match. It's, oh, it's man. a good time. I'm telling you, Fist of the North Star post-apocalyptic Mad Max, Mad Max match, Road yes. Warriors Insanity, Eric Young. Hitting Hawk's death spot and Hawk like slowly f- swelling up until he explodes. <laughs> yes. Come on. Work with me. Good stuff. Right. Thank you very much, Jacob. Next up, Xander asks, hey guys, first tell me who is your favorite. We did the Pokemon thing. First, He's tell getting me who's us. Your He's us again. He knows we don't know Pokemon. God Xander. damn it. God Xander. Damn it. <laughs> Second, if you what's your favorite Pokemon? Uh, Charizard. <laughs> sure. Chard Chardizard? Char Charizard. Isn't that a type of lettuce chard? It, it, it yeah. No, it's I guess it's like what a, does he like hit people with it's lettuce? A, it's a bitter vegetable. It's a, no, he's right. a dragon. Shoots fire out of his oh, mouth. Oh, oh, char like char Charizard. Char, like he's char, gonna char you. You're gonna be charred afterwards. Yes, I got it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> What's yours? I don't freaking know. I know like Mewtwo. I, M- Mewtwo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. He's a, he's a, he's an uh, S he's an S level. There we go. Yeah, beat, okay. beat everybody with him. He's a water Pokemon, I believe. Sure. I have no idea what I'm talking. Well, about. Well, then I fucking <laughs> extinguished your Charizard. So there you go. Mewtwo Damn wins it! again. There you go, buddy. This is how grown men play Pokemon. It's already your I'm already final form. Yeah. Second, if you were picking he's psychic. a fellow, he's psychic. See, Will, he's water. He's psychic. Ghost, no ghost powers. Again. Dark. Now, we're getting ready to talk about something that I know a lot about. All so right, here we go. Dangerous. <laughs> Second, if you were picking a fellowship to bring the ring of honor but over to WWE. I get that. I get it. Who are the it's, nine? It's, I see. Not the ring of doom, the ring of honor. Yeah. I see what he's doing there. Who are the nine non-WWE companions mm. you would assemble? The more outrageous your assumptions to the rules of this question, the better. I restrict mm-hmm. the use of eagles. Great, you can't use Thanks, great guys. eagles. Well, Come then on, I, I got another. I've thrown papers in the air. Literally, no there's idea. no other way to end a story than great eagles. Like right. we can't, we can't do this without great. Like it's literally the Deus Ex Machina of every J.R.R. Tolkien story. Great eagles, right. we're good. Losing the battle of five armies, great eagles. Yep. Stuck on Mount Doom, great eagles. Orcs surrounding us, we're all in a bunch of trees set on fire, great eagles. How are we supposed to do this without Red Eagles? Oh. <sighs> they can't even win a Super Bowl. Anyway, um, all right. So bring the ring. Nine non-WWE people who we would assemble. All right. Let's start with the ring bearer. Let's start with Fro- who is our Frodo? Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull. <laughs> <laughs> no. Whoop, whoop. Come, no, Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate is the obvious Frodo. Oh, okay, okay, I'll say Chad Gable. Come hey, he's on, already man. WWE, Chad Gable. <sighs> Tyler Bate is obviously Frodo. Marty is, Marty's more like a Mary. Or like a Pippin. He's like, uh, uh, maybe a Pippin. I'll give you Pippin on Marty's girl. Fine, fine. Although, although yeah, Pippin's really kind of innocent and sweet. I don't know. 
Who did you say again for Tyler uh, Bate? For, ty, okay, so so Trent Seven has to be Samwise Gamgee. I don't. I kind of think Grotto. Grotto for Samwise Gamgee. Okay. But Tyler Bates in WWE too. What are we doing? I guess he is, isn't he? Damn, he is. He, I just think NXT UK, and he's yeah. I, I'm so confused. Damn, you're right. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> well, Grotto's not. Grotto is absolutely Samwise. Okay. Grotto's Samwise. Um, crap. Who's our Frodo? <laughs> Shoot. Uh, I'm digging. I'm, I'm going through the rise. Ty- I would have said Adam too perfect. Cole. Eight years ago. Xander, can you give us a break and just say next to UK is, is cheating? Damn it, Jay says it's cheating in the chat. God, okay. But it works. Tyler of the Nine Fingers and the Ring of Doom. It works too well. Uh, uh, Tomohiro Ishii as Frodo. Frodo has no neck. Who's Gandalf? Who's Gandalf? Who is Gandalf? Damn. Uh, this is this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. This is yeah. This is getting real. This is, well, because we hold ourselves to a standard. We can't just go. Ken Shamrock is Gandalf. Although that would be awesome. Right. That would be awesome if Ken Shamrock were Gandalf. Ken Shamrock is Aragorn. Uh. <laughs> he kills uh, everybody. Uh. Dang. Tomo, I got one for you. Tomohiro Ishii. Is Gimli? Is, is Gimli. Yeah, he's totally Gimli. Ishii yeah. is Gimli. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Tanahashi is Aragorn, dude. Tanahashi is Aragorn. You know, he's, he's the king, dude. Come on. Uh, Tanahashi I'm, is Aragorn. I'm, All right, so Tanahashi is Aragorn. Ishii is Gimli. <laughs> We've got Grotto as Samwise. We still don't have the other. Well, Marty Skrull is one of the damn hobbits. We know. You said Pippin, <laughs> so let's stick with that. All right, he's Pippin. He's Pippin. Um, damn, WWE signed so many of those British wrestlers. I want to use so many of them for this. Yeah. It's killing me. Um, Throw Gangrel in there if we aren't talking about ex-WWE. Gangrel is what? <laughs> Jason Terry Funk. Terry Funk. Terry Funk would be a good Gandalf. Terry Funk would be a great Gandalf. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. What's a Terry Funk voice? Oh, you damn dirty dog. I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to kick down the door. <laughs> Only choice you have is what time is to do what time is given to you. Remember that, young Mary Doc. Just follow your nose. I was thinking of Dean Malenko as Legolas, but he's very WWE. What are you? What? The man of a thousand holds. How is any way in any way is he a Legolas? He's he's got all the agility. Who was that? Who was that guy that got released by WWE recently from NXT? Who looks like a Final Fantasy character? What the hell was his name? Oh, he's a friend. I think he was French or French Canadian. He's a Legolas. And he's now on the indie circuit. Rick, Rick Bugenhagen? No, Bugenhagen's still there. Oh, he's, well, he's, in, he's an audience member now. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's out there, like, air drumming in the audience. Oh, man. Damn. 
Xander's killing us with this. Yeah. We still need a Boromir. We yeah. need... We got a Tanahashi's Aragorn. We need we need a Legolas. Flip, if flip Gordon is Legolas. All right. Flip Gordon is Legolas. Yep. Um. Let's see. We need a, a Mary. You need a Mary. And we need a Samwise. We have Samwise. Grotto is Sam. We need a Frodo. We need a Frodo. Oh, Grotto is okay. Uh, yeah, Grotto Samwise. We need to marry um, Darby Allen. Darby Allen's Mary. He's serious. Yeah. Uh, Orange Cassidy is Frodo. There you go. Orange Cassidy is Frodo. Done. Okay. <laughs> uh, Boromir. I hope Who, someone's keeping we, track we need of this. A Boromir. That's Michael the last Elgin. One. Michael Elgin. Okay. Michael Elgin is Boromir. I, I feel. I feel like we're just kind of. That works. Short road here. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that works. That's Tanahashi. Here you go, Tanahashi as, as as Aragorn is still my favorite casting of the whole thing. I don't know. Grotto, Grotto is Samwise. Mm, I'm I'm proud of that one. I wanted to find a place for a Sammy Callahan or a Rush, but I uh, I couldn't. I feel like Rush would be a good Boromir. Rush would be like Faramir. Yeah, that's a bet. Yeah. Rush is like a Faramir. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And Sammy okay. Callahan would be like Lurtz. <laughs> He'd be an orc. He'd be a he'd be an Urukai. Yes. So there you go. And uh, no, we did with no eagles. Bam. No eagles. No saving go. eagles. That was all. We got that ring to Mount Doom on our own. And if that set of nine companions can't get to Mount Doom, we're <laughs> right. Who's Gollum? Oh God, we can't go down this road. Maybe Darby Allen's. We'll, we'll to end up doing Sauron. 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 Oh, I'll do it all day all, long. All of them. I'll do. Oh well, Vince is Sauron. Come on. Vince has to be Sauron. Non-WWE. Damn it! All right, let's move on. If, if any, Vince is Sauron. Yeah, that's 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 perfect. Remember, then it was it was a character that wasn't from the book, and I forget the name in the movie. But remember, like the kind of the the somewhat like like mis misformed orc in the third movie, the the general in the third yeah, movie. He wasn't in the book. He wasn't in the book. They made him up just to make a hero yeah. character for the orcs in the movie. Bully Ray. Bully Ray. I'm not saying that because one who was in the books was the shapeshifter Bjorn, who the bear. Bjorn. Oh, that's, well, that's Braun Strowman. Yeah, Braun Strowman. I'll do it. He's Bjorn. Bjorn. <laughs> he was in the movies. He was in the Hobbit movies. He was in the Hobbit movies. Yeah. Yes. Hang on. All right. Or or never mind. All right. Let's move on before we get totally <laughs> lost in this. Xander, I'm apologizing in advance in case he did, he did it to us here. twice, man. He did it with yeah, the Pokemon's yeah. last week, Lord of the Rings. He's this taking week. the piss now, man. Lord have mercy. <sighs> Next up, Brandon asks, "Hey fellas, hope you're all good and are enjoying yourself. How now, would that, you now that my brain is fried from Xander's yeah. damn question? Yeah. How would you implement TNA's option C in current day WWE or AEW? Mm. Okay, so option C. If I remember correctly, it was the X Division, and at one point, Austin Aries yeah. was the champ, but he didn't think the X Division title was enough, and so Hogan said, okay, you can either keep the title, drop the title, or option C is you vacate the title, and then you get a shot at the heavyweight championship, yeah. and it became a thing where... If an X Division champion wanted to elevate, like to take a step up, they had to. It was a basically a gamble. You had to vacate the title, but then you could take a shot at the main title. Yep. 
if, if unless I'm I believe that's what it was. So how would we implement that in current day? I actually really like that as a concept. It's a cool concept. There's a lot of interesting concepts like that that they did, and that's one that were because it has stakes, huge stakes. You've got weeks of storyline on TV from that. You then now have, you know, a built-in storyline with your main championship, and you can even have secondary storylines running with that. And then you have a whole new set of storylines for your division that just got vacated. I'll give you one right off the bat. Cody has built a storyline where he faced Jericho, and if he lost, he never he could never fight for the AEW championship again. He could integrate some sort of option C equivalent where he says, I will vacate the TNT championship for an opportunity at the AEW championship. That's world. straight. Yes. That's so it's just straightforward option C. I, I but, love that. Right? But, and that would, would, would that, but that wouldn't be a workaround for his inability to ever challenge for that title. I, th- I think you could spin it like that. You could, I, I think, think, I think like that, that. remember that first question we had today. I think a lot of people would be up in arms if he did that. Sure. Sure. I'm not I was, saying tomorrow. I'm saying down the road, right? I'm thinking more NXT. You can cash in an NXT championship for a shot at one of the main roster so Keith, championships. Keith could vacate. Oh, I see what you're saying. So I Keith, can see Keith, so vacating Keith could vacate the North American for an NXT he championship. Could vac- he could vacate the North American for a shot at a U.S. or Intercontinental championship, or he could vacate it for a shot at the NXT championship. The NXT championship could be vacated for a shot at the Universal or WWE championship. Or you could have like an Apollo Cruz with the U.S. Championship, a lower card. Sure, that would but that would be apples for apples in terms of TNA to WWE and like their right, championships. Yeah, yeah. So but you could have you could like have a tier system where Option C worked for every title. I, I love that. And then you just have like certain titles that they would challenge for. I think that's a cool wow. idea. I, I really like that. Yeah. Make so. make it so. Put it in my eye holes. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much, Brandon. That's a really now, good point. I had put it in my holes. Before. Currently, a T-shirt in our merch division. Just go down, yes. go down to the description below and and click yeah. through, and you can you too can have it. But you know, I'm not sure if it's for... in the description on this one, but if you oh, do a it's exclamation there, so. merch, which I'll throw in the chat right now, you get a link, and you guys oh, there can you go. check out all the new designs right there with uh with when that comes up. Shameless self promotion. Of course, you worked really hard on those designs, man. Thank you, thank you. Oh come on, you're welcome. Uh, enjoy the fruits of them. Listeners and fans. Uh, Yardy, thank you, Brandon. Yardy thank asks, I, I'm not even sure what he's saying. Right? He's saying Dutch. Go to, go to Von Heron. Go to Von Heron. Go to Von Heron. Yeah. Dutch for good evening, gentlemen. My question this go week is, here. what is, in your opinion, the best beer, liquor, or cocktails? I'm oh, searching for something son. new to try. Hope everybody's staying oh, safe son. and healthy. Oh, man. You asked the right question to the right mm. man. I'm going to mm. get out of the way because I'm a Miller Lite drinker. So he- <laughs> <laughs> so right off the bat, um, that's tough because I don't know what is available where. Yeah. And best is so completely uh, subjective. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there are people who can't stand tequila. And I could say, you should try this tequila. And they're like, I freaking hate tequila. But I'm like, but it's the best tequila. It doesn't matter if the, it's the best tequila. They're never going to like that tequila. It could be the best damn tequila in the world. They, they will never like it. They don't like tequila. Because so, they come from a culture of going, oh, let's do shots and get shit-faced. They, they never had like proper sipping tequila, right? You've never had a, like a proper drink. 
Who the person I'm talking the the person I'm talking I think in general when we talk about tequila we think Cinco de Mayo let's do shots and get shit faced and put some maybe in North Carolina Nick the rest of us here in LA know that tequila is a fine beverage that can be enjoyed sipped or not there's some excellent tequilas sipping tequila this is the perception everyone thinks it's Jose Cuervo which is a a, a, has has fake food coloring in it in their in their basic auto model. And it's that's not the case at all. There is so much incredible tequila out there that you can sip like any high-end liquor. But again, that's kind of my point, is that if you don't like tequila, you probably still won't like that. Yeah. There are people who will never like scotch, you know, especially the, on the peaty side of things. Scotch is like red wine, where there's so many vari- variations on what you can get, especially in the single malts. You can give incredible variety. Um, so that's actually a really tough question to try to answer. Um, but he's asking for your opinion on the best. My beer opinion. Liquor. That's what the is problem. your favorite beer, liquor, or cocktail? I'm a I'm a goddamn Billy Goat. I love everything. I'll drink right. everything. Like this is the thing, you know. Like I love I love a really good high end uh, tequila. You know, like I've not even it's not even high end like Fortaleza or or I've got. Um, it kind of got overexposed. Now it's now it's not owned by the same company, but like Casamigos was, was George Clooney's tequila. I always have one of those in my fridge, and just it's a good. Uh oh. Reposados or añejos, just because they have more flavor. You know, the the platas, the silvers are for mixing. Um, typically, the um, and when it comes to scotch, I'm a big scotch hound. So you know, right off the bat, I could tell you like a Dalmore 15 if you like like a sweeter, more dessert style. Um, scotch, or just anything that's aged in a sherry uh, sherry cask to for finishing. Um, and if you want to go on like a peaty side of things, you really can't go wrong with any like a like a fifteen or eighteen year Kaulila or a um, Ardbeg, the Nambesh. They've got a bunch of great ones over in, in Ardbeg as well. Um, I there's actually if you want something that's really cool. There's, and I believe it's European, but there's a vodka called Van Gogh Double Espresso. This is like my secret weapon alcohol. They make it with real espresso. It tastes amazing. You throw it in the freezer, you take it out and have a little shot of it. It tastes like taking a, a chilled shot of espresso. It's unbelievably good. Um, and then, of course, if you can get your hands on it, Baron Jaeger, it's just basically a honey liqueur. It tastes like drinking honey. It's outstanding. Um, so there's some, there's some quick ones to go check out. Also, if you're in Europe, you actually might be able to get your hands still on Navan, which is a vanilla version of, of Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier, of course, is being the French orange liqueur. It's a high-end uh, orange liqueur, kind of like, like if you've ever seen a triple sec, it's the high-end version of that. It's cognac-based. And it's made with macerated orange peels. So it has a really nice, very, very real orange flavor to it uh, with a lot of sugar thrown into it to make it sweet. And yet it's also 80 proof. So it's strong as hell. Yeah. Uh, they make another uh, liqueur called Navan. And it no longer is in the United States. You can only, I believe, still get it in France or in Europe. But it's made with uh, Madagascar vanilla beans. And if you like the flavor of vanilla, you throw a little bit of that in your coffee and it's absolutely my, or over some ice cream, poured over ice cream, it's out freaking standing. So, boom. There you go. Nice. There's some, there you go. some suggest, suggestions. So, I like Miller Lite beer. 
Uh, over in <laughs> Europe, it would be Carlsberg and Estrella down in uh, Spain. So, yeah, that uh, for scotch, I, I definitely like – I went through a scotch phase there for a few years. Yeah, but you're like a you're like a Macallan guy, right? But I like Macallan. It's all right. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's the, fine. It's, it's there. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fine. It's a fine. It's a good, like, step beyond entry level. I, I have totally not spent 20 years behind a bar either. So I, that's true. I, and I'm, I, I will fully, I'm a, I'm, I will fully admit <laughs> I'm a goddamn snob. And I, yeah. <laughs> the problem with tasting a bunch of stuff is at a certain point, it makes you snobbish. And it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's the case with anything, whether it's, it's liquor, whether it's movies, whether it's out, whether it's, uh, wrestling, when you watch a certain amount of it or, or imbibe a certain amount of, of a product, whether it's, you know, drinking it or watching it or any kind of consumption, at a certain point, you're going to get enough of a taste for how all the different ways it is. I, I can't go back to damn McDonald's now that I've had like Umami Burger and uh, Five Guys and all the rest. I can't go back. I can't go back. I've been yeah. spoiled. One last I mean, thing I'll throw in there is if you ever get the opportunity once this whole thing that's going on around the world ends uh, and you get a chance to go to Mexico, whether it's Cabo or Puerto Vallarta or anywhere, some of the best tequila I've ever had is in Mexico. And we went, we bought it at a Walmart and it came in like a wooden crate. And it was the equivalent of like three US dollars for this bottle of what was as smooth as water, but had the taste that, like I've never had before. And I, I think I read a stat recently that like 80% of all tequila comes from Mexico and is distributed via the US. And there's there's only like a handful of people you can get it directly from. Otherwise, it's like major chains and distributors, like InBev or and other companies and stuff that are doing it. But man, there's nothing like drinking tequila in Mexico. And they just pour it and pour it and pour it. What it's, Jay is in the, Jay's in the chat saying, try some Jolly Bee. I know Jay, you're, you um, uh, Jolly Bee, the Filipino chicken place, Filipino Filipino chicken place. Where is there a Jolly Bee around here anywhere? By you, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm there's down. One over, there's one over in um, Glendale. Oh yeah. Oh Glendale. That's not close. Oh well, okay. For me, that was. Um, I, I'll I'll mess with some Jelly Bee. Sure. Yep. There might be one down there on the. Uh, yeah, I triggered Esme, Esme with some umami burger. All right. Yeah. Oh Malort. Okay, so we'll just. We got a Malort. long way to go. <laughs> Will throughout Malort. Okay, so for those you don't know, Malort is a wormwood, un, an unsweetened wormwood liqueur from Chicago. Uh, and if you've never had it, it's a freaking experience. It is one it, for most people is one of the nastiest things you'll ever put in your mouth. And yet it is everyone in Chicago loves it. Um, if you've ever had like Fernet Branca, imagine Fernet Branca if it was left out on the floor overnight. Um, that's Malort. I've actually got Will. I have in my cupboard up here what's called Basca Dropper, which is. A Scandinavian wormwood liqueur that's the basis for Malort. The guy who originally made Malort was from Scandinavia or somewhere around there, and he brought that recipe from home, and that's where Malort comes from. I've got the OG Malort in my cupboard and actually at my bar. We carry Malort because we're a bear's bar. So, yeah, Malort is an adventure. And if you all are feeling, feeling adventurous or you want to like test your friends, get some Malort. All righty then. Uh, thank you, Yardy. Great question. Yeah. Uh, that should be its own bonus episode, apparently. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Next up, Billy Stickler asks, good evening, yes, my Billy. friends. The time has come. The most serious question come. I can possibly ask of you. Okay. I need you to recast the television show Full House. 
It was good, what? wholesome entertainment full of heart. Something we need today. We need Daddy Danny, Uncle Jesse, Uncle Joey, Aunt oh, Becky, God. Stephanie, DJ Michelle, and of course, obnoxious neighbor Kimmy. What wrestlers are being cast in this reboot? Okay, well, Uncle Jesse's got to be Seth Rollins, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, Daddy, I'm going I'm to go Danny. William was, Regal. Daddy Danny was dad. Bob Saget, right? Daddy Daddy was Daddy Danny was Bob Saget. Yeah, but good, wholesome leader of the family. I'm going to go William Regal. What? William, like, what, like, like the, like man's man, William Regal, like Stephen Regal, like what? How is that, Bob Saget ish? You're just, you're just going out here like. There's F Bob you guys. Saget, the comedian, the tall, wiry, lanky, perverse. Comedi- stand-up comedian, yes. and there's Danny, who was the father figure character okay. of Full House. So you're ta- you're basically saying you're going to cast him older and get NXT Papa William Regal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You did, you got Uncle Joey or uh, Uncle Jesse right, for Seth? Right. Who's Uncle Joey? Who's co- Uncle sort of Joey. like a funny buffoon character? Uh, I'm gonna well, a funny buffoon character who was banging an underage Alanis Morissette off camera. Um, for those of you who didn't know, uh, Sir Ian dropping the T. Yeah, well, who, who do you think? That's actually who Lannis Morissette wrote. You ought to know about was Uncle Joey. I did not in case know you that. In case you didn't know, yeah, well, y'all gonna learn today. Um, let's see. Chad Gable. Okay. Chad Gable. Aunt Becky. Uh, I'm out on a limb here. I've only ever seen like two episodes of Full House. So I, I, I watched it. I was like 10 years old. I don't remember much about it. I remember, was it, was it DJ? Was the, I had, it was like, it was a childhood crush. Kind of like, uh, what's her name? Um, Christina Applegate on Married with Children. Well, that was beyond that, that's about the crush extent, That's about the extent of what I remember. Christina Applegate was a childhood obsession for me, my friend. Yeah. I don't know about you. Oh, my God. Um, Kelly Bundy. <laughs> um, okay. Olsen twins. Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross? Sure. Or the Iconics. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, I will give Alexa Bliss to Kimmy, though, the obnoxious neighbor. Obnoxious neighbor. Okay. All right. Uh, DJ. Who Aunt is... Becky. Britt Baker? Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. DJ Stephanie... and Michelle, who were the two older daughters. Um... Um, Michelle, Stephanie McMahon. Okay. <laughs> and DJ. Tony Storm. Oh, my God. She had to be in everything. I was gonna say Bianca Belair. Fine. I was gonna say Bianca Belair, but okay, Tony Storm. There you go. She can be Stephanie, who I don't remember a thing about. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah. I was. I. I openly admit was never a Full House fan. No, not really. We watched it because my parents wanted to watch it. I. I'm not. I. I'm. I don't. I don't really have a history of watching wholesome entertainment. Unfortunately, uh, not my jam. I, I, I distinctly remember Sunday nights as a kid. If anyone has a horror movie question here, 
Like, I'll, you know, yeah. I'll go off, but you want me to do Full House, and I'm like, I know the Olsen twins were on it. I know the guy who was sleeping with an unage, underage chick. I don't know. So. <laughs> JB is, is apparently uh, telling us correct. Yes, it doesn't matter, JB. Michelle is the... <laughs> It just, it's, it's, it just doesn't matter. Michelle is the youngest, then Steph is the middle, and DJ is the oldest. I was watching cartoons. I didn't care. <laughs> I was watching Thundercats. This, Nick's heart was broken this week with Tony confirming the relationship to Juice Robinson. At least he still has Anna. Listen. He doesn't have Anna. He dumped Anna like, like, a, like a sack of potatoes, and she Tony went off Juice and ran off. A work. You guys are getting worked. She's just doing that to, to yeah. try to throw people off the scent. Is that what that is? She's she yeah, exactly. She's dissuading. She's distancing herself from the show here. You and you and Juice had a talk when he came through town, right? Yeah. Or you, you're just in being. What cucked. was that name of Ray J song? I hit it first. Oh my god. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Nick intimating that Juice Robinson is taking his sloppy seconds. Maybe I'm hence just the saying. Juice. I'm hence just saying. Ju- hence yeah. the name Juice. All right, moving on. What, what's our next question? Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you, Billy. Good next Lord. Up, next up, Mark, as hello, gentlemen, as always, hope everything uh, is going well for both of you. It's, it's hit or miss today, <laughs> Mark. Thank you. <sighs> this week, I have two questions, one wrestling and one, is, one that isn't. Uh, first, okay. what is your professional wrestling guilty pleasure? Some trope, superstar, storyline that you can't really defend and is generally viewed as bad, but you love it anyway. Uh, mine's easy. It's it's DX and all of their antics. Specifically, when when they gen- generally like them. Uh, it's it seems to be hit or miss. Like driving huh. the jeep up to WCW and like that, that stuff. You, I don't know. I think that's. Uh, oh, I I'll do a better one. Yeah, Triple H do a better Stephanie's one. wedding. Yeah, that, that's that's usually that's pretty polarizing. Definitely one that every no one else can really appreciate it, and you're always like, I love it. Yeah, it's a guilty pleasure. I, I always, yeah. it's, it's, uh, <laughs> she's, she's drunk and passed out and he's married her. <laughs> yeah, just, my problem is like, I, my, my answer would have been repo man, but then Simon Miller has totally ripped off my gimmick on that. <laughs> and now he's like, he's all repo mantastic over there. I used to love repo man. When 92 rumble, man, everyone else has these legit promos. And then repo man comes and they're like, <laughs> what's mine is mine. And what's yours is mine. <laughs> um, Something that's generally considered terrible, but you love. Uh, Man. This is, mm, I mean, recency bias, Baron Corbin as Constable Corbin, but even that one I have a hard time defending. Oh, man. I used to love the the hardcore matches in WWE. Like they were just trash matches. They were terrible. But Raven coming out with a shopping cart full of shit would always right. tickle me every time. <laughs> yeah. Like this is dumb as, as hell, but this is so much fun. We, we've it. seen variations of it too. Dean Ambrose tried to bring the hot dog cart out and oh. uh, uh, Crash Holly would bring the the scale out on his shoulder. Stuff yeah. like that. I, I Hardcore matches definitely have a, have a weak spot. Uh, uh, somebody in CDC... Do- uh, it was the guy Danny Havoc used to walk around with a Danny a, Havoc, a yeah. bundle Rest of light peace. tubes. Yep. Right? That was that was yeah, I Over love any of that hardcore stuff, man. Yep. Um speaking of yeah, uh, Supreme, rest in peace, just passed away. Another uh, deathmatch hardcore legend. Yeah. Got his match like didn't have a whole lot of good matches to his name, but I loved him. 
Um, I would actually say death matches in general. Like, That's take people take them or leave them. But like, sometimes I love them, dude. Yeah. Um, the other thing, you know, you know, the other thing that a lot, a lot of people hate that I love ref bumps. I love ref bumps. If a ref like takes like a glancing like like a pet, like they pet his cheek lightly, like brushing them, like Tony Storm, you know, kissing you goodnight, like, right. and they just go pass out and they're like, oh, and they're out for like five minutes. I love that shit. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's that's not how Tony kisses me goodnight, but sure. I, uh, oh, God. All right. Moving on. Second, what is, what is a movie that you felt had a good concept, poor execution, and deserves another shot or a remake? Oh, shit. Again, thank you uh, for all the positive content. Keep on, keep it on. Thank you, Mark. Uh, good son- concept. Uh, Virus with um, with Jamie Lee Curtis. Go look it up. It's a horror movie where a like computer virus uh, that where robots kind of create themselves out of whatever machinery they can find um, happens on a ship in the middle of a hurricane in the ocean. It's tough to describe, but it's freaking cool it's just a terrible movie but a second look at that would be cool i just the that's the first thing that popped into my head i'm sure i could think of a bunch more but that's the first one that popped into my head is virus um phantasm i think is due for a reboot like a serious reboot they better they better take it seriously though like the whole series like just give it you don't even have to have a big budget. Just like these days, you can do a reasonable budget. And that movie is so, that series is so insane and so goony and so over the top. Like, just go nuts. Go nuts with that. Who's ang- who plays Anger Scrim, the tall man? Tyler Maine. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> um, the special effects that you could do today with the sphere. It would be insane. That's what I'm saying. And like the dwarves and the other the other planet. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Uh, there was, I believe the name of the movie was called The Cube. Oh, Cube. Yeah, the first Cube movie? Where they had to go Hell through the different yeah. panels and there were different traps and everything. Yeah. Yep, yeah. And they were trapped in like a giant and everything. Like all the rooms Brilliant. would move. Brilliant yeah. concept of an indie movie. The acting was a little meh. The, the, Questionable. the execution was a little meh. But brilliant, brilliant concept. Really, really good concept. I would love to see yeah. that one revisited. I don't want all my nostalgic favorites touched. Like I, I'd leave them alone. Stop remaking all my childhood favorite. But you movies. know what? There's a lot of there. There are a lot of movies where if I look at something like for like the the Hills Have Eyes, where the remake was just so insanely good. And when people first said, "Oh, they're remaking it," it was like, "No, you can't touch it. It's a classic." That's that remake was badass. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead. It, you know, it was a remake only in the sense there were people in a zombie apocalypse in a mall. It was a badass movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not mad at the idea of a remake. Like you just don't don't f it up. Like you do. I mean, there's a lot of movies like that are like that. Yeah. Sure. Or the thing prequel sequel awful garbage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there well, are plenty cast of Mary movies. Elizabeth Winstead in the lead, uh, juxtaposed to Kurt Russell. Are you serious? Okay, here's one. Krull. Krull. K-R-U-L-L. Remember that movie? I don't, it was that a I don't think I saw that one recently. Fantasy maybe. movie from the 80s. I remember that. It's absolutely 
bonkers. It's a typical like sword and sorcery, just the kind of shit you could only get away with in the 80s. But I think if you did it seriously today, it could be freaking sweet. They did. It's called it's called In the Name of the King with Jason Statham and Ray Liotta. How <laughs> dare you? That is no that is that not movie's at all. terrible. That's doesn't it doesn't have alien warlords and like a a, a seven-pointed star glaive that you throw it, it, come on and liam neeson at 24 ray Liotta running around going how do you like my crow that's one for you esme <laughs> if you're still in the chat crawl 24 year old liam neeson yeah. if you want to go salivate and be thirsty on something <laughs> come on there you go uh, was that brian no that was mark that was mark yeah. thank you thank mark. you very much mark good, good question stuff. Uh, Brian, uh, next up, uh, says, hey, everyone, I hope everyone is in good health and spirits and sending good positive vibes. Thank you, sir. And back to you. And back to Non-wrestling you. Non-wrestling related question. If you were to try and introduce someone to World of Euro horror films. Ah, there we go. Come more on. specifically, Italian horror. Yes. Hey, we're getting real specific here. Uh, what movies would camp. you su- uh, suggest take out Suspiria and Zombie as yeah. those were already shown? Yes. Looking for a good half dozen movies that I may not have thought of. This uh, oh, would oh, boo. this would I've be to show you. my wife, who has already seen some outstanding horror films for my own personal collection and streaming services, but never mm-hmm. really delved into Italian horror cult classics. So, because it's for your wife, and I, again, please, no one take this as, he's being sexist, he's being presumptive, like... I'm going to assume you're trying to get her into this. You're not going to want to go for the really crazy stuff. You know what I mean? She, we're, we're, not, we're not trying to freak her out here. We're trying to get her to enjoy this. So right off the bat, I'm going to take Necrophiliac and Der Todesking out of contention here because we're not going for the extreme cinema stuff. Um, uh, and if we're doing European in general, I'll get to Italian at the end. I can't talk about 70s European horror without mentioning one of like my great sleeper ones that I found, Who Can Kill a Child? It's a Spanish horror film. Um, that is a slow build, but my God, that thing is awesome. Um, so look that one up. Who can kill a child? Spanish. But then if we go to Italian and we're going to, you know, it's hard to get away from the Fulci Bava Argento triumvirate. But if you're going to do some that maybe you haven't thought of or haven't seen, you got to go for demons. One and two. Both of both the demons movies are insanity that's liberto bava right there they're they're so much fun and they're absolutely goony and crazy um i think cannibal holocaust or cannibal Ferox might be a little extreme so maybe not those but those i always think of when i think of italian horror um cannibal holocaust is the one that i always come back to that's tough because that one like the movie is great in terms of how ahead of its time it was in terms of found footage yeah. movies and it's genuinely chilling and it gets its point across really clearly like it's a, it's a well thought out movie but there's a scene where they genuinely kill a turtle like a giant land tortoise and it's freaking disgusting yeah um and it's that's the hardest thing to watch all the horrible things in that movie that's the thing that's hard to watch cuz they genuinely kill an animal in it um black sunday is a classic for Italian horror, Phenomena, uh, early Jennifer Connelly, uh, when she was a baby, that's a cool one. And I'm going to end with um, the oh, I for, always forget the Italian name, Della Della Morte Della More, I believe. It's, just, it's Cemetery Man. It's usually known as Cemetery Man on this side of the pond. Um, that is 
out. Like it's, it's a crazy zombie movie. It's absolutely bananas. I can't recommend it highly enough. Cemetery Man. So there's a few for you. Nice. I, I definitely want, I want to go look that one up myself. Uh, Esme said Troll Hunter, and I, I, I'm calling this out because I yeah. recently saw that one over the last few years when it came out. I loved the concept of that one, and I loved that they never showed... I think at the very end they show one of the, but it was usually just like the legs or just oh, you, shaking no, trees you, and you stuff. No, you you see a bunch of trolls in that. Like like the first third one comes out, the two headed one comes out of the trees and they freeze it with the uh, UV light. Troll hunters badass. I wouldn't. I didn't think about that because I for some reason I keep the Scandinavian countries different yeah. than Europe. But Troll Hunter is a badass movie for yeah. sure. If you haven't seen that one, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's sweet. Good deal. Thanks, Brian. Next up. Uh, Kyle asks, I have a question regarding the Drake Maverick story, but I need some time to think how I want to phrase it and give it more personal thought with regards to my enjoyment in a dark time mm. for me with similar issues as Drake and the mixed response it received. Mm. So for now, I'll keep it simple and ask, should Miz and Morrison get strapped at Backlash? I ask this but because the dynamics of SmackDown right, uh, right now have Miz and Morrison as one of the best things on the show consistently, uh, along with Otis and Mandy. And with Otis being the Money in the Bank holder, a cash-in on Braun or The Fiend won't really work for his character. Plus, given how things are on SmackDown, there's no clear place to slot Bray Wyatt outside of Braun. And if Bray wins the title back, it becomes sort of back to square one, asking, well, now what do we do with him? So I ask, should Miz and Morrison win, given how things are stacked up on SmackDown for its long-term storytelling? Perhaps with The Fiend costing Braun the title after the Money in the Bank match? I ask this because also because Braun hasn't exactly adapted to his new role very well promo wise. So should Miz and Morrison Man, that's a lot. That's a lot to that's a lot to digest. Yep. Um, well, I'm Miz sorry to hear. I'm sorry to hear about the but first things first, Kyle. I'm sorry to hear about the the, the dark times, brother. And 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 yeah. let us know when you get that Drake Maverick question set because I definitely I, we obviously both have thoughts on that and and, and you know. Um, and I can, I can definitely see how like on, you know, it can be taken two ways on one hand. It's like, it's a really, you know, awesome story of redemption. On the other hand, it's like, it's very much WWE, like manipulating the storyline. Um, yeah, but okay. Miz and Morrison, should they get strapped to backlash? No, that's my easy answer. No, they shouldn't. Um, I don't, I don't, I absolutely don't think that they will. I don't think that they are. <sighs> In a place where they, first of all, even if Bray costs Braun the championship, then we're back to Bray. Like, what is Bray going to go have a match with Braun or feud with Braun without the championship? I don't think they'll do that. He's not going to gun for Miz and Morrison because they're very obviously a comedy duo right now, and that wouldn't work for Bray at all. Um, and I, I think Bray is very much still in the title picture. Because they can't think of anything else to do with him, because it's been established he wants the championship now, they kind of have to keep bringing the title picture. I feel like this Miz and Morrison thing, as I said on the regular show, is just a breath of comedy before we get back into Braun and Bray handling their ish. Summer, SummerSlam stuff. Post-backlash. Post yeah, it's SummerSlam. So, I, and I agree, I think if Bray wins the title, we are back to a square one of sorts. But I think they can turn that square one in a different direction and maybe do some different things this time. Whether they will or not, I don't know. But I, but I think that putting the strap back on Bray has to happen at some point. Yeah. Probably like we, SummerSlam. At this point, it's like, you know, they, they came up with a good reason why he didn't beat Braun last time. But 
there's only so many times that like a guy, the way that they've built the fiend, it's kind of like with the Seth Rollins thing at Hell in a Cell. If he doesn't win, you better have a damn good reason why he didn't win. Because there, there's no other reason that we can see why he shouldn't just be able to just take it whenever he wants it. Agreed. Um, no, I don't think you should have a tag team as co-universal champions either. No. Just in, just in principle. Just in principle. Agreed. Agreed. I think that the, if it was maybe not Miz and Morrison. Like when Seth and Braun were a tag team, if they became co-universal champion, you could have an interesting dynamic there. If, or like if Bray and Braun became co-universal champions, that could be really interesting. It, it would be weird, but it would make more sense than Miz and Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. I think. So. No, I don't think they're winning. No, I don't think they should. Yeah. I'll, I'll just ease it up with that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Kyle. Sorry. Looking forward to the Drake question. Thank you, Kyle. Man. That's, yeah, uh, that's one that I'm very, I've been very outspoken and passionate about uh, myself, so I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, next up, James asks, uh, Greetings, gentlemen. I hope all is well with you and your loved ones first. Thank can you, Can I sir. say that your May bonus episode was great? It woke me up on my long drive to the graveyard shift. Thank nice. you very Thank much. You. Glad awesome. you enjoyed it. Uh, I have a movie question for you this week. Yay. One of nice. my favorite things in movies, especially action movies, is the one-take, long-take scene. If done well, the scene can lift an mm. entire movie from average to great and make a great movie even better. Why does this type of scene have the ability to transform an entire movie, and what are some of your favorites? My personal favorite is the war scene towards the end of Children of Men. Oh, yeah. And the Children of Men has like two or three. Children of Men has some of the best ones of all time. They did some crazy innovation on car cameras to be able to yeah. do that one. And transitions. Uh, he also, I mean, same guy uh, did Gravity, and they had some crazy ones in Gravity, too. Uh, and more, more recently, the movie 1917, which pretty much is an entire movie of long takes. Yeah, right? that one's... That was yeah. just, that's, what, that's some, why it got so that many was, that, was, that was the gimmick. <laughs> the 1970s gimmick was no cuts, no what, visible cuts. What was the Charlize Theron one where she was a special agent recently? Red something. Um, oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, I didn't fight yeah, scene. Yeah, I know what you're talking stairs. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Atomic yeah. Blonde. Atomic uh, Blonde. If you yes. slept on Atomic Blonde or weren't paying attention, there was a fight scene in the stairs that had a camera gimbal similar to what they used in Children of Men that was able to travel up and down the center of that spiral staircase. And it was a fight scene mm -hmm. all the way up, and it was all one shot. I, and I think they ripped off the Protector, the Tony Jaw movie, for that. Um, or maybe the raid, which both of which have insane long takes where they really let the guys go at it. Yeah. Um, and apparently we're just absolute bitches to film. And if you want to talk about balletic uh, ballet violence, you can't not talk about John Woo. Go watch Hard Boiled, which has one of the most badass gunplay sequences. A bunch of, of like long, um, long takes in that movie. And if we're going to go to that side of the pond, I've got to talk about Old Boy. Not the crap American remake where they completely bungle this scene, but the long take in Old Boy where he's fighting down the hallway is one of the greatest action long takes of all time. Hard freaking stop. When I think of action movie long takes, the first one I thought of was Old Boy, and I just had to get myself there. Yeah. Um, Any Brian De Palma movie has a ton of long takes. Uh, Snake oh, Eyes. Oh, Snake Eyes. Out. Snake Eyes. The opening scene in Snake Eyes yeah. is absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, Esme in the chat said the, 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 the scene in Kill Bill where they establish the uh, restaurant where they go into like the, the club restaurant, right? And the, the camera goes through the entire room so you can see the entire layout. So when the bride kills all of the, uh, the 88 dudes, uh, the crazy 88s, 
you know exactly where everything is. They totally established the layout. That's a really yeah. good one. Um, and of course, you can't not talk about Casino. Uh, Goodfellas, too. I just. Goodfellas uh, Martin, is one Martin I was Scorsese, reference. the long shots. Well, yeah. the long shot of Casino, where they go in and out of the casino and you see everything. Yeah. They set up everything. So, uh, yeah. Children of Men is easily, still to this day, probably one of the best. Well, yeah. Those shots. It, it just insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. Uh, was that the full question? 19, favorite long shot? Okay. Yeah, there you go, James. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it, it, I agree. It does make her... I mean, when you're, when you're using it either to show the intensity of the violence, like with Old Boy, where you know the guy just gets worn down by the end, and it's just about him having more willpower than everybody else, when you're trying to show the fluidity and, and beauty of someone's fighting ability, like in Protector or The Raid, um, or where you're just trying to set up locations, like where everything is in relation to itself, like Snake Eyes, Goodfellas Casino, uh, Kill Bill. It's an awesome filmic technique when done right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Love yes. that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of behind the camera stuff more so than like what you see on the. Uh, on in front of the camera, Daredevil, the the Netflix oh. show. Daredevil had some absolutely unbelievable long shots. By the way, thrown not a to mention the choreography way. of the fight sequences. Oh, they're great. That. It just yeah, absurd. super cool, super yeah. cool. Thank you, James. Great question. Very good, very good stuff. Last couple here, Esme Booby Champ, uh, who has a surprise for all of you coming. From what I understand, Esme, correct me if I'm wrong in the chat. Uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, she did receive something recently. Oh, did she? Uh huh. She says, hola, pot poppies. Just hola. finished watching Sinister and screamed yeah. like I was the one being murdered several times. Yeah, What's well, a horror that movie scary. that made you scream out loud? Doesn't have to be lately. Could have been when y'all were kids. Thanks, fellas. Loving all the new content. So excited to get my BWO t-shirt. P.S. I just noticed I'm last again. Should change my name Aww. to Esme Last Place. No. <laughs> you have to take booby out of your name then. And Come on. Yeah. Let's face it. Yeah. Everything's better with boobies. You're going to take booby um, out of your name? At SummerSlam, yes, because we now in... you now you have something yes that you didn't have before. Agreed. Well, you will soon if you don't already. No, sure. I guess she got it, didn't she? Yeah. She got her. She had her yeah. booby prize. Yeah. Um, uh, horror movie that made me scream out. By the way, shout out to Sinister. That was a movie that overperformed in a major way, and I know exactly the scene that you screamed at, Esme. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was actually a jump scare. Speaking of like the the same. Uh, horror company like producers uh, um, oh, what was the name of it it was um, it's the same oh, it wasn't sinister it was it'll come to me there was one that had a jump scare in that that made me go oh um, it was the one with the, the Darth Maul guy Darth Maul was, was in the astral sinister. plane it wasn't sinister. It was uh, another one. One uh, uh, insidious, insidious, insidious. There's oh, a jump scare. In, oh, jump scare! That jump it's, scare. It's in when insidious. they they cut back and forth at the dinner table at and the, 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 the demon the, is the, behind them. Yeah, during the 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 summoning scene, the and Ouija, the, oh, the Ouija scene. And it's during yeah. the daytime. Yeah. So you don't expect it, and then it just happens. Oh, um, mine are. Oh Jesus, Jay. Wait, hold on. I've got to call this out really quickly. Jay in the chat says Serbian film. I will never watch that again. It was really good. Yo, dude, Serbian film was not one that I like screamed out loud at. Serbian film was one that I will never watch again because it deeply disturbed me so damn hard. I I still don't feel clean. It wasn't like screaming out loud. It was just feeling 
absolutely vile and disgusting for the next week. That's one of the gnarliest films I've ever seen, if not the gnarliest. You can take your Human Centipede. You can take your 120 Days of Sodom. That one. Serbian film. Blah! Oh. Sorry. So, for me, uh, I'm a f- I, I don't really get scared. Right. I don't really get jump scared anymore. Uh, Esther tries to scare me all the time, and it's I scare her relentlessly, and she tries to do it, and... I, I don't really get jump scared. What I do get, I do get chilly bumps though. I do get like, yeah, if, if I feel like something's believable, get I'll get, I'll get that Whoa. kind of, I'll, I'll forget to breathe for a second. Mm-hmm. I mean, found footage movies, um, uh, that I right, wrong, or different, whether you think they're silly or not. B- Blair Witch Project really got me. Paranormal Activity. Par- the first Paranormal Activity. Yeah, there's like, a couple of moments in that that are just like when oh. the when the hoof prints and the chalk <laughs> uh, walked yeah. into the bedroom. And yeah. when, it, when it dragged her out of bed, yanked her down the hall, and the door slammed behind her as she was... Yes, I got, right at, right I'm, at the I end. I can feel them right now <laughs> as I'm describing it. Ah. That, that right there is is what gets me, not jump scares. I, I think yep. jump scares can be silly. It's almost tropey at this point. Yeah, uh, that that I just they I just I, oh god okay I'm with you like like again the the jump scare in Insidious is one of the few ones where I'm like okay that was genuinely that was a damn good one right it wasn't like just, you didn't <laughs> you didn't have like the the music stab and like it's not Jonesy the cat jumping out three times in Alien right it's not sheep it's not like that's not the cat it was just yeah. a cat damn it um yeah genuine jump scare like or they're good. But I'm with you, dude. I don't really exclaim out loud during movies. Like I'm not the kind of guy who goes, "Oh." Um, I typically tend to be like the kind, like just go, "Huh." Oh, I, I retreat. Oh. I go, "Oh." Sh-. Okay. And I think so, what it is is a level of realism that in my in in microseconds in my head I process that this could really happen. See, for me, it's not this could really happen. It's the, it's the horror of the moment. Yeah. If you will, like it's where I just I just go, "Oh, that's hor- Oh, that's oh, what is that? That's horrible. The one that I always call back to, it is the like the 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 most horrified I've ever been in a movie, and it's I'm gonna throw this out there right now. It might it might just be me. I don't think it's gonna affect anybody else as bad as it did me. But there's a movie called Angel Heart with Robert De Niro, Mickey Rourke, and um, oh Jesus, what's her name from the Cosby Show? Um, she's currently. Uh, She's she's married to Cal Drogo. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. With the dreads, I know who you're. Yeah, about. yeah. Damn it, De- well, I or something. No. Anyway, um, it is. It, it's. When, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Lisa if Bonet. You, sorry, Lisa Bonet. Damn it. Of course, Lisa Bonet. Thanks, Google. Um, if you, if anyone decides after listening to us to go watch Angel Heart, I plead with you: don't read anything about it. Don't go in knowing anything. Go in absolutely 100% cold. All you need to know is those three people are, those three, those three people are in it. Do not know anything about this movie intentionally. Go into it cold. Watch this movie. The very last shot of this movie before the credits absolutely ruined me. Ruined me. I, when I watched this, I started it when it was daylight out. When I finished, it was nighttime. I pressed stop, and it was on a VHS, and my TV went to black, and my whole room was black. I had to press start and had the creepy music of the trailer of the of the the end credits going while I went for the light switch because I couldn't be alone in the dark after this movie. And I'm a hard man to freak out. The ending of this movie 
ruined me. I'll leave it at that. Awesome. Well, there you go. Thank you very much. And no, uh, Esme, not like Sleepaway Camp. Well, kind of like Sleepaway Camp final shot, but for completely different at the same time. Yeah. Where you just go, oh, God, what? <laughs> Ah, ah, it's wrong. Something is so wrong. That means all of the, ah. Yeah, anyway. Angel heart. All right, last but certainly not least, Derek, my gator guy, McCray. Yes. Hey, guys, uh, no question this week. I just want to say that I speak for everyone that listens when I say thank you. Thank you for the hard work, the dedication, the drive to make this community better, the passion you have for what you do, and for continuing to make and keep Busted Wide Open, a truly safe space where we can enjoy our beloved wrestling without fear of being judged. These trying times have made us all appreciate the things we hold dear to us. And as a proud, phenomenal one, I appreciate everyone that listens, shares, and supports what you guys are doing. And I appreciate you both for being awesome. Stay safe and keep on rocking. Until next time. Dude, Derek, thank you so much, man. Genuinely, like, thank you. It's uh, it's been a hard week. Uh, We hope that we give you some sort of, some reprieve um in in our in our bants and our wrestling talk and all of that yeah. stuff but uh it's not to overshadow the events that have gone down in the past not at all no and um i i definitely have a lot of opinions and i know serene dangerous does as well but we made yes. a conscious choice to keep this show about fun and about wrestling uh even in these trying times so i don't want to bring it down here at the end of the show but i just nope. wanted to say uh thank you derek Thank you for thank you so much, Derek. Thank you like for seriously, that means a lot. And respecting and appreciating that. Exactly, and thank you to everyone who listens to us. Thank you, all of you guys, all of our phenomenal ones. Everyone in the Facebook discussion group, everyone on Discord, everyone in the chat right now, every single one of you. You guys are freaking awesome, and you make this a pleasure to do. Otherwise, it's just two guys bloviating to the wind. Um, so the fact that you guys actually listen and want to come back and, and engage in all this means the world to us so yeah. thank you thank you thank you so much for that yes it's freaking awesome becoming reclipped <laughs> okay there we go patron mailbag number 35 is in the bag the books it's, it's the in, bag it's in, it's in the bag it's I done <laughs> it's done oh hang on i'm sorry one more snuck in from what? marshall he always sneaks it into the last second and i'd be doing marshall. a disservice if i didn't read it in I okay. hit refresh on the page, and there was Marshall's. Uh, last but certainly not least, Marshall asked, we've all daydreamed about walking down the ramp in a wrestling show. What song is blasting, and what does your video package look like? Thanks again, guys, for everything. This podcast keeps my mind off the crappy stuff happening. Uh, what's your – I know mine. We've had this discussion I, in I the mine. Facebook group. Go, Go ahead, Surrey and Dangerous. Uh, Black Heart by Chimera. Ooh, good one. Mine is As I Am Exploding by Trivium. There you go. Mostly the intro and opening riff, just on loop. Like I wouldn't. The rest of the song is a story, but the opening riff is the gallop riff. Is <laughs> that's that's what I'm walking out to. Nice. Yes. Uh, what does your video package look like? Uh, man, I don't know. Me sitting and eating popcorn. No, it's it would be it, it would be like a whatever like a greatest hits of my matches like th- yeah. that's the kind of video package I like like you know kind of like they do in Japan, uh, where it's like literally a greatest hits of what you do. JB says Castle by Halsey. Oh yeah, or would be her. I'm going straight to the castle. <laughs> that one. 
I, I guess. I, don't, I, don't, I only know the Halsey song where she's talking about driving down the 405. That's. <laughs> I, I don't even remember what the name of the song is. Anyway, well, all right. I, I don't listen to a lot of Halsey. No? No. No? No. Nope. So thank you very much, Phenomenal Ones, Echoes, Sentiments, everything that uh, Surrey and Dangerous just did a minute ago as well. Thank you guys for being awesome patrons, awesome fans, phenomenal ones, as always. BWOPodcast.com for all the links to all of our stuff. You can also find them down in the description below. The merch store is launched. We will be publicly announcing it outside of the shows uh, tonight, later tonight. But thank you guys, all of you that have already bought stuff and seen Nick Guard 1 <laughs> fly them Nick into Guard one flying on in. stream. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed right here at youtube.com slash busted wide open. Turn your notifications on so we can get access so you can get access to BWO daily in your notifications every single day as we put those up Monday through Friday. And we have one more. Oh no, I was just gonna say, like, if anyone out there is looking for a great like entrance, if they're a wrestler that is really good at chokeholds. Uh, I, I don't. I have to spell it. C H H I N N A M A S T A. Shinamasta by the Acacia Strain should be your entrance theme. Interesting. Just saying. Go check and it on out. That great note. Great song. My name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. Oh my God! Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.